Hello and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast. This is episode number 70. My name is Adam. With me today we have Kevin. How are you, Kevin? Uh, okay. Doing okay? Yeah. I'm doing okay. Alright. I'm doing okay, you're doing okay. That sounds good. Everyone's doing okay? Today we have a great show lined up. First we'll be speaking with Adam Brooks of Astron 6 on their new film The Editor, which is currently funding on Indiegogo. Then we'll be talking about some of what we've been watching, followed by a feature review of VHS 2. And finally, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions and DVD and Blu-ray releases. First, let's get things going with a conversation with Adam Brooks of the filmmaking collective Astron 6, who is responsible for films like Father's Day and Manborg. The team has a new film in the works, which is a Giallo-style horror film Mm -hmm. titled The Editor, which is currently funding on Indiegogo. Let's take a listen. Let's do it. Uh, first, first off, thanks so much for speaking with us. Uh, why don't you start off by maybe telling us a little bit about Astron 6. Who or what is Astron 6? Astron 6 is a group of five friends. Uh, we all met at the uh, local film festival called the Winnipeg Short Film Massacre, where we each submitted films for about six years, competing against each other, making these homemade short, short horror movies. And we all hated each other just because we were competition, right? And uh, But we were the ones who always placed in the top three every year. And then uh, one year we decided to join up and help each other out on each other's movies. And then, yeah, we just put a logo on said Astron 6 because it uh, wanted something that looked like Vestron to kind of tie them all together. So you guys are called Astron 6, although there's only five of you? Yeah, uh... Jeremy, uh, Jeremy and I were the first to pair up, and we were going to make a little short film series called Goreblade that Jeremy came up with, uh, conceptualized. And Jeremy came up with the idea of, of the Astron logo just to put on our, our Goreblade shorts that we were going to make. And he Googled Astron and just put a number on it, put six on it. That sounds cool. And, uh, and he did. <laughs> and then... So we weren't thinking, the number was meaningless, but we like to say that the sixth member is the viewer. Mm. <laughs> we like that. <laughs> One thing that, that I really like about all your guys' work, including like the, the web series and the shorts and everything, is I guess it's Jeremy's graphic design work. And I think that that goes a really long way in what you guys do. I would agree with you. I think he's a very talented graphic designer. He's a really talented musician and designer, and he's uh, his forte is authenticity. He can with graphic design and music, he can make it authentic. It's, it looks like and sounds like what it's supposed to. And I think that that just all of that goes a really long way to kind of capturing the old nostalgia of the type of uh, shows and and movies that you are making. Now, I wanted to ask about that it seems like you guys are pretty firmly planted in like classic genre uh cinema yeah and is that something that you're just most comfortable doing do you ever see yourselves kind of breaking out of that i see us breaking out of that yeah um i think that's what we started on because we were just a few friends that wanted to make some movies and those were the things we missed but it's kind of become very popular it's become uh mainstream now everything is kind of uh, a genre film or a nostalgia film and so i think we want to not do whatever is mainstream 
So I think we're going to switch it up. I mean, I have no problem making a, a present day movie or anything like that. It's just, uh, in the case of the editor, this just happens to be the picture that we got funding for. So we're going to make a giallo. We've always wanted to make a giallo. I think that it's really interesting how your first film is kind of tackling like a 70s grindhouse flick and then you move on to Manborg and you do like a 90s like sci-fi. You have a lot of stop motion and that type of thing. And now we're talking about the editor and you're going back to like a 70s giallo style Italian horror film. Um, Do you see yourselves working with other specific types of, of horror after this? Yeah, I think all, I mean, you know, we kind of want to do everything. I, I mean, like if you look at our short films, um, we have a beach comedy and I mean, we want to make these, like, I think we all want to make a coming of age film, a beach comedy, like summer sex comedy, uh, slasher movie. Um, you know, all this stuff that, I mean, we kind of want to fill our, uh, our filmography, like, like the old video stores that we liked so much mm-hmm. uh, or children, you know, we want that kind of selection there. I mean, I have a, an outline for the fireman movie that I wanted to make. And that was going to be my take on the slasher film, you know, the, the straight up Friday the 13th Halloween slasher film, but I wanted to turn it on its head. I mean, I didn't, uh, you wouldn't know that from the trailer, but uh, the pitch for the, the feature is, is completely wacky. <laughs> Because we want to always switch these things up and make them weird and different, you know. But uh, in the case of the editor, I think it's not many people are doing it, you know, the giallos right now. And there's something so austere about the way the giallos are made uh, or were made. They were, they're very ambitious and they're very beautiful. And they spend a lot of time on framing and, and uh, crash zooms and lighting. And there's so much horror today coming out and in the low-budget community. Uh, everyone's got a red now, and it's so handheld and whatnot. And we, we're we just as guilty as anybody. A lot of our stuff's handheld, but I want to make something that's very not handheld, that's very, you know, polished and, and pretty, like uh, like those great old Giallo movies. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Giallo movies as well. Have you checked out uh, Barbarian Sound Studio? You know what? I haven't checked it out because of the premise. And we, you know, we had the editor premise already, and then I heard about this this, this movie, and it sounds similar, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy's a sound editor, right? Yeah. And uh, I re- I don't want to see it because <laughs> I'm terrified that I'll subconsciously steal from it. And like I said, we have a script, but I'm we're tweaking it all the time. Like Matt and Connor are on their way over to make it. We're gonna go do revisions today, so I'm terrified of like stealing from that. I don't want people to think we're aping it because we're not. Um, the editor was conceived years ago and we used it. Rue Morgue approached us about this art show that Dave Alexander, the editor of Rue Morgue, was putting on about fake movies, movies that didn't exist that came from Canada. And he, he just came to us and said, like, if you guys have any ideas that you haven't done or anything, maybe you could, like, pitch them into this art show and we could pretend the movie existed, but it didn't. And we put in the editor and there's, if you go look at the, I mean... There's reviews of the art show. There's pieces of the art show online. And you can read the editor's synopsis back then. And that's where we got our teaser poster. Mm-hmm. It's so good from Justin Erickson. Uh, and uh, so to find out that there's a movie, a Giallo-type movie about a sound editor after is scary. I don't want to uh, 
I hope it's not. I hope it's not close to what we're doing. Uh, is, is it true that there actually isn't a murderer in that movie? Like, is it? Do people get killed? Um, it, it's hard to explain without really giving anything away. But basically, uh, it, it it's about Toby Jones plays a sound editor who is sent to Italy from the United States, and the movie that he is. Uh, editing it's a really gory uh disturbing horror movie and although you don't you don't actually see the movie at all that he's working on it it basically starts to take a toll on his like subconscious and basically makes him begin to go mad oh okay well that's pretty close (laughs) (laughs) uh well anyway ours will be different i promise well it sounds like yours is going to be a lot more tongue in cheek and maybe um maybe parodying that that specific subgenre a little bit yeah i'd like to think sat- satirizing because i i mean we love the genre uh but uh yeah it's definitely uh half comedy all the way yeah and i think that that's what's i think that that's what draws people into your your style of movies uh in addition to the the great graphic design that I love so much about it. Uh, you inject a, a lot of the thing about your movies is that they're actually funny, and that's that really goes a long way with these type of satirical movies. Is that it actually makes me laugh, and I love the just the little flourishes that you add in your movies. Like for instance, in Father's Day when you had the commercial break in there, I just thought that, that was fantastic. Great. I'm thrilled, man. Glad you like. <laughs> yeah, and and I I think I'd like to go back to what you were saying before about how like this is uh th- this type of movie that you guys um have been making and along with your short films as well, it's kind of making a comeback. I mean, it seems like a lot of you folks in Canada have been working on this. I mean, we have like Jason Eisner who did Hobo with a Shotgun and the Saska Sisters who did Dead Hooker in a Trunk. What's mm-hmm. It it seems like Canadians are really embracing this kind of throwback cinema. I agree with you. I don't have a good answer as to why that is, but I agree with you. It seems like a lot of Canadians are doing it. And I, I know that there's uh, the guys at uh, Picnic Face that did Roller Town, which was actually really funny. Um, it just seems like this is... And I was just actually talking to uh, a, a director. Uh, his name's Calvin Reeder. He did... That movie, The Rambler, that just came out, and uh, he makes these really surreal type of very, very strange films. And we ended up talking about this type of like I don't even know what you want to call it, like grindhouse revival or exploitation parody movies. Or I don't, I don't, okay. I don't know what you yeah. want to call it, but it's almost like it's a, an entirely new genre that's that's happening. Yeah, I I would agree with that statement. And I think that you guys are kind of on the on the forefront of that because there's a lot of there's a lot of them that come out that aren't so good, and I think it's also interesting that you guys are able to stretch a micro budget into what you know you've created. Like uh, I think that it's you said that Father's Day costs like something like ten thousand dollars to make. Yeah, <laughs> and I think for for aspiring filmmakers learning that is really uh kind of inspirational to see that you can make a good movie for 10 grand yeah (laughs) 
I mean, I, I, I guess that's a good thing. It's, it's just, you really have to kill yourself and put yourself through hell, though. It's not, there's nothing fun about it. Yeah. Making a movie for 10 grand of that scope, anyway. It's, uh, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm proud to say that we've stretched budgets, but I would, I would like to have a budget because I, I've told you, I, I haven't made a dollar in this business. Uh, I haven't made a penny in this business. And it would be nice to get paid or to pay the people who have helped us out so much because, for example, on Father's Day, we didn't pay any of the actors. We paid the girls and the guys who got naked, and that's it. Mm. And we didn't pay very much. Uh, so many of the actors did so many things. I mean, I almost cut <laughs> Brent's hand off when we were shooting uh, the scene where I cut Stiegel's head off because it's a real sword, and I, I hit him in the wrist because I had no depth perception at the time. And, like, uh, I was throwing myself off trucks during the car chase, and... Uh, I set myself on fire, and then we got, like, Billy Sadu, the twink's dad who got raped by, by Buckman, mm-hmm. and, and just so much uh, suffering and people putting, <laughs> you know, giving us so much and getting nothing. Like, they get nothing in return. I couldn't even give them a free DVD because, you know, we didn't get, we didn't, we received a couple of free DVDs, but just <laughs> enough to give us each two, you know? It's sad. Wow. I think that that is... I think that maybe that speaks to a bigger problem in in the industry as a whole. Well, I think what it is is it's just it's all part of the democratization of the film world. Like we all we're all media kids. We're all people who grew up with the internet coming in, watching TV, going to movies, and that's what this generation responds to. And now it's affordable because everything's dropping in price so everyone can afford a camera and every kid who i mean every kid for the past 50 60 years probably thought at least at one point you know i, I want to be a famous actor even if it only lasted a day you know mm-hmm. or while they watched the academy awards and now everyone's like well i'm going to try you know and i'm going to try to be a director too and there's too much product uh, it, it's not a terrible thing i mean i'm not trying to discourage it i mean i'm all for it if we can encourage people, that's fantastic. At least we've done something. But there's too much product right now. It's 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 watered down. Like it's not a very high quality product. There's uh, thousands and thousands of movies coming out all over the place. And also, there's piracy everywhere. There's the internet. So distributors are acquiring tons of movies, and the movies are going to be pirated instantly. And no one's going to buy the DVD anymore, the Blu-ray, really, unless the extras are amazing or whatever. They're collectors, and that's a very small percentage of the of the viewership. So the distributors aren't going to pay as much for the movie, and, you know, rightly so. Mm-hmm. But uh, everything's changing, is what I'm saying. And it's been a business of overpaid people. It's been an exclusive business, and it's no longer exclusive. I mean, this this kind of happened in the music business already, right? Mm-hmm. You know, where artists were exceptionally overpaid, and 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 now, you know, it's hard to make money as as a musician. You know, if you weren't already established before the internet and Napster, it's pretty hard. Yeah. But uh, so, anyway. Father's Day was was distributed on Troma, and now it wasn't like produced or anything like that. They just picked up the the distribution rights. Is that no, they, or... they they produced it. They produced it. Oh, they produced it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just... I, I'm sorry. I, for some reason, I was under the impression that they didn't they didn't have a hand in in the actual production. So they produced it, and they did they also distribute it. Yeah, they're distributing it, 
and uh, like they put up the ten grand budget. Oh, okay. That's that's as far as they went in producing it. Okay, and then did you did you have a distributor for Manborg? No, we made Manborg before Father's Day. It just took Steve uh, years and years to finish the effects and editing because he was doing it on his own time. So we shot Manborg years before Father's Day, but so he finished it and then he got a distributor. Let's talk about the editor. Um, maybe you could uh, just give us a brief synopsis of what, uh, and I know you're doing a lot of rewrites and stuff, but maybe just kind of the, the basics of what you have. Well, it's about an editor who, very much like that movie you were just kind of telling, <laughs> uh, but uh, an editor who, he's a cripple and he's kind of taken for granted by everyone in his life and everyone treats him like garbage and he's overworked and underappreciated and uh he's us <laughs> and a series of uh, horrible giallo style murders start happening at the film studio that he works for and uh i guess the big question is i mean he's losing his mind for sure <laughs> but the big question is is he the killer or is he not the killer and uh so that's the premise that's the setup that's the setup in as much as father's day is about a guy getting revenge on a father rapist and uh, I quickly wanted to mention, uh, I want to bring this out in the open. I recently wrote, not a, it wasn't a review, but it was a feature on Father's Day. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but someone posted it on your Facebook page. And the, what I wrote in it was misinterpreted. And the comments on that Facebook page just completely ripped me to shreds. And I'm not sure if you saw that. I missed it. Boy, I don't know, man. Was this the review? Tell me, tell us what you said that was misinterpreted. Okay, so there was what I was trying to say in Father's Day, and I liked the movie, and it was it was a positive. It wasn't even a review that I was. I do a feature every week called Grindhouse Weekly, where I kind of uh, talk about an exploitation film. And one week I decided to do one of these contemporary uh, exploitation films, and I decided to write about Father's Day because I liked it a lot. And there was a part in in the feature that I said that I felt like the over-the-top gore and violence didn't fit with the comedic tone of the movie. And I wasn't <laughs> saying that like it was like a really bad thing, but people misconstrued it and thought that I was kind of vilifying the film for being overly violent, which is not true at all. And it, it's my fault for not being clear in my article but the the comments on Facebook were like his dad must have been raped and like he's a pussy and all this stuff and I was just like oh boy well I'm sorry about that I I appreciate that our fans are very like uh, loyal and defensive on for us though oh no but, uh, yeah no it was it was fine I mean that, uh, that Father's Day was ninety minutes of sodomy jokes because that guy got. Our, our, yeah, our fans thanked him, which was nice. Yeah, I mean, I didn't say anything like that, and and I wanted to clear the air because I did like the film, and I thought that the article that I wrote was talking about it in a positive way. I mean, I wouldn't have wrote about the movie if I didn't like it. So I, I just wanted to get that out there, and to all the people, I mean, you do have a good fan base. You know, they they're protective of you guys. Yeah, it's a small fan base, but they're very loyal. I I love them. I wish there were more of them. 
Well, I think you're going to be growing a lot in the, in the coming years, I think. I think with the editor, you're going to be getting a lot more. So I want to talk about the Indiegogo campaign you have going. So you're looking to get uh, $16,500. You have 52 days left, so you have plenty of time to generate that that money. And you're mainly looking to try to upgrade your, your camera equipment. Is that correct? Well, uh, right now we only own uh, DSLR cameras. And we're like, we're, chances are we're renting probably a Red Epic to shoot the editor on. And that's going to wipe out our entire budget. As I mentioned to you before, I don't know if it was recorded or not, but we're not paying ourselves anything out of the budget at all. Uh, the budget's all going on the screen. So we're just concerned. Uh, there's things we want to add, you know. We want to have some exceptional stunt work. We want to add one or two name actors, uh, and they're very expensive. And... And ideally, we'd we'd be able to buy like uh, the new Blackmagic 4K camera or something, so that we have a camera on hand to do pickups and inserts and reshoots after we've blown our entire budget and two weeks of uh, shooting. And I think that that's uh, definitely a reachable goal. And I just wanted to mention real quickly that that you are the editor in this film, right? You you play the editor. Yes, I, and I'm editing the film also. And you're editing the film. And you're co-directing and co-writing it, right? Yeah, and producing, and, producing. and probably doing something horrible, like setting myself on fire. We'll see. Nice. Uh, I wanted to talk about the incentives. Maybe we can go over some of the perks, uh, some of the things that people can look forward to getting by donating to your film. Do you have any kind of highlights you want to go over? Um, we're giving away t-shirts and original artwork that I myself or Matt, um, we're giving away thanks in the film. We're giving away executive or associate producer credits. Uh, any of the perks that don't get bought, we can switch out at any time. So we're looking into making some more desirable perks for the ones that have not been purchased yet. Like... No one's bought our underwear yet. I was so going to ask maybe, about that. <laughs> maybe we'll we'll switch it up. So we were, we're making a good living selling our underwear, you know, outside of the campaign. <laughs> so eleven hundred dollars autographed underwear, and that's that's either from Matt or yourself. Yep, you got it. That's pretty exciting for maybe some of the female or well, I guess some of the male fans could be into that as well. Probably male. Probably mail. Okay. Well, I think that that's a good place to wrap it up. Talking about some <laughs> autographed underwear. Um, any ideas on when you think that you're going to be wrapping or maybe just begin shooting? Well, we're definitely, yeah, we have our schedule already made. We're shooting the whole movie in August. Oh. And then we will be editing and color timing and everything in uh, the fall. And who knows? It has to be delivered to Telefilm by within a year of signing the contract, I think, or maybe within a year of them making the offer. Either way, it's supposed to be delivered to Telefilm by next spring, approximately. So it'll definitely be done by spring 2014 at the latest. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, that's that's exciting news. So Yeah. Hopefully it'll be done by the new year, but I can't say for sure. I don't know how much post work we're going to be doing. It kind of also depends on the Indiegogo money because we want all the effects to be practical, but 
we may not be able to afford that. Could we could we maybe see some more stop motion in there? I would like there to be. There is in the script, but I honestly don't know if we can afford it. Is now is the stop motion more expensive than just putting in some CGI? Well, it's not expensive. It's time consuming. Right. It's Steve Kostansky that does that, and his time is valuable because he's a very very busy man who's always working on multiple movie projects at once. So to find the time to do a lot of stop motion. Yeah, it's expensive. But having said all that, I mean, anyone can do stop motion at home. You just need a camera. And patience. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right, well, thank you so much, guys, for uh, taking some time to speak with us. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks again, Adam. Again, the film is The Editor. Be sure to click on uh, the campaign link in the show notes and read more on the Kickstart Sunday section of filmpulse.net. Also, I recommend checking out their previous films, Manborg and Father's Day, which are both on DVD and video on demand. Mm. So check check that out. And also check out their website because they have a ton of short films and web series and all kinds of great stuff that they've done in the past. Nice. I think it's astron-6.com. All right, let's go ahead and jump into some of what we've been watching I'll just start it. I saw The Rambler. Ooh, I wanted to see this. I didn't get a chance to yet. Uh, So we talked about it a lot. I feel like we talk about this movie a lot and uh, finally got a chance to check it out. I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. Uh, It has more of a story. It has more of a plot than The Oregonian did. However, that being said, it's still very surreal, very disturbing, very dark and weird and strange. He did a lot of really cool camera things with this one. Uh, and I liked it quite a bit. I mean, it, it looked good and it was just strange enough for me to be entertained by it, but it wasn't like too strange. Okay. I'm a little worried now because I was hoping that it would just be completely insane. And it is. Yeah. I mean, maybe I didn't word that correctly. When I say that there's more of a plot, I mean that with the Oregonian, it's like you, you really didn't know anything that was going on. With the Rambler, he sets it up. So, like, we know who the Rambler is and we know what he's doing, but everything is still the, the journey is where it gets yeah, good. completely insane. Good. So, it's, I liked it a lot. I think that I did like it more than the Oregonian. I don't know if it's as crazy, but it's it's really out there. I mean, there's stuff where you're just like, what? What is this? And nothing makes sense, and it's it's great. All right. Uh, I saw The Pact, uh, which is actually stemmed from our conversation with Calvin Lee Reader. Uh, this is a interesting kind of horror movie that came out in 2012. It's sort of a ghost story. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more to it than that. So it turns out that there's there's a lot of factors involved with this ghost. Because like, at first it starts off as sort of your typical haunted house story. Mm-hmm. But it's it sort of evolves into something much more. And uh, I thought it was really interesting. Like the, the acting was not the greatest. The dialogue was not the greatest. Um, Casper Van Dien's in it. Ooh. And he actually didn't do a bad job. All right, Casper. Uh, the the main character, Katie Lutz, she was not very good. 
Mm. And uh, that was that was disappointing, but the movie overall I thought was pretty enjoyable. I liked it. Um, <laughs> I love the fact because I'm looking on IMDb at the Pact, and one of the user reviews, like the first thing is, "Let me praise Casper Van Dien, who did not suck." I like how yeah. the, everyone points out the fact that Casper Van Dien indeed did not suck in this film. Yeah, he he wasn't bad. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't in it a lot, so he didn't have a lot to do. He didn't have he didn't have ample opportunity to destroy everything. Right. Yeah. Correct. That's good. He's looking good. old too, by the way. Like, yeah. The, the, I mean, that'll happen. Yeah, it's just crazy. Uh, I saw a movie called Act Naturally, which is a comedy about these two girls that inherit a, a nudist colony from their father who passes away. That sounds terrible. Uh, this was one that was submitted to us on the site. Uh, actually, Todd, I believe, is going to be reviewing that, so we will have a review for that up. Um, personally, really wasn't my thing. It was, it was well made. I mean, it was competently shot, and it just wasn't that funny. Like there were some moments that were that were kind of humorous, but overall, it was pretty average and very unfunny. It it seems like one of those things on paper would sound slightly humorous. And then you start making it and you realize that there's just not enough material for this. To be yeah, good. I mean, it was like, really, the the big joke was that everybody was naked, you know? Yeah. There, it was which, a fish that, out of water story. And that, and I mean, that's going to wear out its welcome in exactly. like yeah. a minute, if that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I saw Chopping Mall, which is from 1986. This is a Roger Corman produced movie. I saw this from my Grindhouse Weekly feature. Loved it. Chopping Mall chopping mall this is it's really short it's like 77 minutes or something like that so it's it's got a real quick pace to it nice and it is just classic 80s through and through i mean it takes place in a mall you got skateboarding and arcades and a great like 80s soundtrack like that synth soundtrack nice uh you know the outfits it's just so 80s (laughs) Ooh. Which brings me to something that I wanted to discuss with you, because this sounds awesome. And with you doing your, your grindhouse thing, I don't I don't think I've ever seen a grindhouse movie. Or maybe if I have, I just don't really remember. It's not something that I, I usually watch a lot of. So I think I'm gonna try and watch more of those. So I think like every month you should give me like a homework assignment, like a film that I should see. And yeah. I think this I think I might start with chopping mall. <laughs> I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, like it's, yeah, that's the, it's laughable. It but sounds great. It's so basically, it's about these eight kids that they work in one of the stores in the mall, and they decide to have a party after hours. And for some reason, the mall hires this security company that puts these robots in the mall that are are supposed to keep it safe. But lightning strikes, like the control box or whatever and they go they get kill crazy and (laughs) start going after the kids now this is bizarre this is full circle here this is the guy that directed camel spiders oh is it yeah (laughs) i didn't even know that i didn't either there is a uh, a great cameo with the couple from eating raul in it oh really yeah he also does a lot of porn by the way he does a lot of he does a lot of softcore made for TV porn. Yeah. But he did do Piranaconda. 
and Dino Crockers the Super Gator. I know so. that I know that Piranaconda is also Roger Corman produced. That's what I'm talking film, about. but uh, with Chopping Mall is actually he and his wife. It was Roger and Julie Corman, I think, that produced it. So. Hmm. And it's just classic eighties. I mean, who I just, do, who doesn't want classic eighties? It was great. Silly, silly fun. <laughs> I like silly fun. Um, and then finally, I saw in addition to VHS too. I saw Stoker, which did you? You also saw that? I, right? I, yeah, I saw Stoker as well. All right, so we'll we'll let's just go ahead and talk about that, and then we'll transition into your stuff. Okay. What do um, you think of the Stoker there? I loved it. Okay. I thought that. The the sound design was incredible. Mm-hmm. I thought that the the camera work was so oh, camera good. Was, is amazing. I thought that ev- like every angle, just the framing and just everything about it just looked so intentional. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that it was so great. All the transitions between scenes I thought was they were really creative and looked oh, great. Oh yeah. Chan Wook Park is very meticulous in this film i mean everything is perfect and it's one of those things where i haven't really noticed a lot of filmmakers nowadays don't really spend that much attention to detail on like depth of field when they're framing and setting up their shots but in this film holy shit i mean like you said everything looks amazing and the way everything's framed it's just it's unbelievable which really makes up for the shit story See, I didn't mind. I liked the story. I thought that the story was was interesting. I was I was guessing as to what it was going to be. Like I had a feeling that it was going to be like one thing or another thing, but I couldn't quite figure out which route it was going to take. Yeah. Um. But I I actually enjoyed the story. I thought it was pretty good. And the uh, you know, there were there were a few bits of pretty shocking violence in it that I that I thought worked and were effective i thought uh performance wise i thought matthew good was he played one of the creepiest characters ever. <laughs> yeah i mean he, he fucking creeped me out and he did a great job you of see it. him you're just like Ugh. yeah mia wazakowska though um she again like every film she's really good at being quiet i love that that's like her acting range it's just being quiet and not saying much because that's all she ever does I don't. And it, it, it's starting to grate on me a little bit. I'm not a big fan of hers. Um, I, I wasn't a big fan of her in this movie, but I thought she was fine. And, and I feel like Nicole Kidman has been kind of st- stuck in that same kind of character as well. Yeah. That, that she plays, where she's like the uh, like high functioning alcoholic or something. Yeah. I feel like since like the Stepford Wives, she's just been that same character and everything, like in Mud, and then the, yeah, and not she. Mud, um, She's essentially the same character from uh, the Paperboy, but Paperboy much more yeah. classier and refined. But essentially, yeah. the, same, the same character, minus the yeah. terrible accent. And <laughs> Harmony Corinne kills it as the art teacher. Kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I forgot about. I, I thought it was funny when he when I saw him pop. Yeah, up. that completely got me by surprise. Like I remembered people saying that he was in it, and then I completely forgot. And when I was watching, I was like, "Oh, there he is." So you had a, you had a. a, a a twin billing of Mulroney this week. I know. I, I was because I didn't know that he was in that either. Yeah, like, I, I knew I he was in the Rambler, was in but yeah, as soon as I saw his name pop up in the credits, which I love the opening credits, by the way. Oh, the opening credits were amazing. Do the freeze frame. Mm-hmm. 
killed it. Killed it with the opening credits. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Attention to detail when it comes to everything, even the small things. And that's what I loved about this film is, I mean, I hated the story. I just thought it was so unbelievably thin and there was really nothing there to hold my interest. But everything that Chambulk Park did, um, visually speaking and technically, just made it, just made up for all of it. I mean, I could have watched this thing on mute. It's that good looking. Yeah, it was, it was pretty great. <clears throat> Enjoyed it. I didn't know that it was written by the guy from Prison Break, Wentworth Miller. Mm-hmm. Prison Break. And I don't think he should write anymore. <laughs> Just a heads up. I didn't have an issue with the story. I thought it was fine. I did. I didn't like it. Very thin. Ah, now to me, huh? First off, I watched a French film called Time Out, which is essentially a guy loses or he's fired from his job and for three months he doesn't tell anyone and in some way or another no one finds out i don't know how he was able to work that but he essentially just drives around the country and lies to his wife saying that he's going to like business meetings and stuff and then it sort of snowballs from there like his lies keep growing and growing and growing he ends up saying that he works for the united nations and that he needs to move to Switzerland and he has to buy an apartment in Switzerland so he can work. And he's commuting from his fake job in Switzerland back home to, you know, to spend time with his wife and kids. And he comes up with this plan of uh, like investment scheming. So he gets his friends to give him money that he's going to put in these offshore accounts and such. But he just spends the money like, like a dick. And he just keeps going on with this live for what seems like just hours and hours, which is the main problem with the, the film timeout is that it just takes entirely too long. And then they finally get to the point where he sort of, he reveals why he was fired. And it's such a bullshit reason that I just, I've lost my connection that I had with the character. Like I was with him the whole time and I'm like, you know, I can I sort of understand how he's lost and, He's sick and tired of doing the same menial things over and over again. But when you find out what, how he lost his job, you're just like, holy shit, grow a backbone and just get over it. But a great performance from the lead actor who plays the man Vincent that's struggling with all this. But again, just a, a bit too long. Just entirely too many superfluous scenes that you don't need to tell this story. Mm. Just drawn out way too much. But the performance is amazing. And then I watched uh, After the Wedding, which is a Suzanne Beer film, which is, she de- it doesn't say that this is a Dogma 95 film, but you can definitely tell that it was influenced by Dogma 95. And the it's a great story. It's a bit excessive with the emotionally manipulative uh, like plot pieces that are to it. I mean, they just keep stacking emotional things one after another to the point where you're like i don't i think you're good with like the first three we don't need another like five just tone it down a bit but mads mickelson does an amazing job in this and so does everyone else that's in it which but the the cinematography is awful it's just it's all that handheld camera work i mean the the use of lighting is amazing but everything that they do camera movement wise is just ridiculous like when the, a character's standing there and, and looking out into like a field or whatever they'll spin like three times around the character's head 
just mm. why it's just excessive and then there's so many still shots of people's eyeballs like extreme close-ups there had to be like 15 in the film which again excessive and th- there's a room uh where there's various animals head m- mounted on the wall you know antelope dick dicks oryxes all sorts of things and they keep doing this with like quick zoom into their eyeballs their dead eyes and they do that like 10 to 12 times just all of it is too much but the story itself is quite compelling and all the performances are amazing which is exactly what you need when you're doing a dogma 95 film you need those performances to be thoroughly convincing and they and they were in after the wedding so i would it's definitely definitely recommend if you can just get past the cinematography because i'm telling you it's excessive but just hang in there it'll be all right Mm. And then I watched uh, Wish You Were Here, which you saw a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have a review up for this. The, the main thing that I liked about this film is I liked the pacing and how they slowly unearthed everything that happened. You know, a story of two couples vacationing in Cambodia, and the one guy disappears. And then it picks up with the three returning to Australia and dealing with what happened. Um, I loved the ending. Like when they finally revealed to you what happened, it was done so realistically that I was just completely shocked. We already talked about Stoker. I rewatched Upstream Color, which for anyone out there that has Netflix, this is playing instantly right now. So definitely check it out. Uh, I enjoyed it just as much second time around as I did the first time. And yeah, when I when I rewatched it, I I did as well. I, I loved it. I mean, I have a different interpretation than I did the first time around, which is which is. I think the main reason that I like this film so much, I love any time that a, a film and its storyline is so, excuse me, there's so much ambiguity to it and it's open-ended that you can, you know, interpret it numerous different ways. And each time you could watch it and come up with like a completely different reading than the previous time that you watched it. I love any time a film's like that. Plus it's just shot beautifully and the performance is pretty damn good i mean i amy seidman's does an amazing job in this and now yeah. i the, the first time around i sort of said that shane caruth did better than he did in primer but it still wasn't good second time around i didn't think he was that bad i thought he was pretty good in upstream color i i think that he, he was fine but see when it comes to acting i'm i'm much more forgiving like it it doesn't really pull me out of it too much yeah that's why i mean for some reason like when I started it, I I automatically thought I was like, oh, that's right, Shane Carruth is really bad in this film. I mean, he's better than he is in Primer, but he's bad. And this time around, I was like, yeah, he wasn't that bad. No, he's not too bad. But yeah, I enjoyed it just as much second time around as the first time. My wife, on the other hand, did not. She did not like it <laughs> at all. This sort of bummed out. But oh well, such is life. And then, of course, I watched VHS 2, which we're going to get into. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into that. Uh, We're going to talk about VHS 2. This is directed by Simon Barrett, Jason Eisner, Gareth Evans, Greg Hale, Eduardo Sanchez, Timo... uh, Yeah. Get it. Get it. I don't know if the T is silent or the J is silent. So it's a, it, I think all the letters are silent. Apologies. Uh, it's the guy that directed Macabre, I think. Okay. 
Yeah. He, he did a segment on ABC's of Death, too. So there we go. Gotcha. And, and uh, finally, Adam Weingard as well. This is the sequel to last year's VHS, where it's basically a found footage horror anthology. Mm. Now, my review is up, and we, we talked briefly before uh, recording this, so I know how Kevin feels about it. He knows how I feel about it. And I did tell him that I cooled on the movie a bit. Cooled so a little bit. I still, I still liked it a lot, but uh, it was one of those deals where I probably wrote the review too quickly after seeing it, and I was still kind of on a high after really enjoying it. And it happens. It, yeah, you know, it happens. It, that that happens. So anyway, let's go ahead and find out what you thought of VHS 2. Mm, are you ready? Well, <laughs> are you ready? You've already, you've already voiced your opinion to it to me and Ryan, so <laughs> I think I'm ready. Uh, I thought I was completely surprised. I mean, the first VHS, I was surprised that I liked it as much as I did, that I found a couple of the shorts to actually be entertaining and pretty creepy. This time around, I was surprised that it was so terrible. It was just absolutely uninspired shit. Just that's all I saw on the film, with the exception of Garrett Evans and Timo's uh, Safe Haven. That's the only one that's worth any time whatsoever. All the other ones are just complete waste of time. I just, I can't believe people, like, attach their names to this. This was so bad. It was so awful. And especially, like, Adam Weingard. I haven't seen any of his other stuff besides what he did on VHS 1. But if this guy is, like, the next, like, horror director... I'd, I hope that that's not true. I hope that this is like the worst thing that it, that he's done that I saw. I hope this was isn't considered good compared um, to the other things that he does because this was just fucking terrible. I can't stress that enough. Well, as far as Adam Weingard goes, I I've seen A Horrible Way to Die, which I liked. I saw Autoerotic, which is not a horror movie. That's a sex comedy with. Um, that he directed with um, Joe Swanberg. I didn't really like that. And then, of course, VHS. He also has, I believe he has a segment in um, ABC's A Death. I think he did The Letter Q. Yes. yes. And uh, that one was kind of interesting. But, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be very curious to, to see your next. Because I've been hearing a lot of good things about yeah, that. Yeah, and i got to say, from the trailer, your next looks pretty damn good. Like, I, I'd actually want to go out and see that film. Now I'm trying to remember the v, the first VHS. What was this this segment that he did? I think he did the webcam one. Okay, I think it. Are you sure? No. Okay. It's saying segment. Or no, Sw- maybe no Swanberg because Swanberg directed one of those, right? Yeah, I think he, I think Swan. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I think Swanberg directed the the webcam one. I think and I'm not sure. Which I think one. Weinger did the the bookends. Yeah, I think he did tape 56, I guess. Yeah, with Calvin Reader and Kentucker. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, and it, what I'm discussing with the VHS, too, is the, he he did the clinical trial one with the synthetic eye. Where the guy gets an eye implant, and he sees ghosts for some reason. And the reason that I hated it so much is because I've seen this fucking movie a thousand times before. 
it's so lazy. It's just flickering light, darkness, ghost appears, he runs away, loud bang, ghost appears, darkness, flickering light, and then the fucking movie's over. I thought I thought that they did some interesting things with that one. I mean, yeah, we have seen that before. It's called The Eye. I mean, it's it's essentially every single jump scare movie ever created in the history of cinema. And I really hated the the one where the, the loud noise. He runs into the bathroom, which I don't know why he keeps going to the fucking bathroom in these movies. In all the VHS movies, everyone runs to the bathroom, and well, there's like a loud bang on the door, and he's like, "Hello." Like, do you forgot? Did you forget what just happened for like the last twenty minutes? Why are you saying hello? And then it's like a loud bang again. He's like, "Uh, no, thank you. You can go now. It's fine." Like, what the fuck? What kind of? Th- it's the laziest dialogue I've ever heard in my life. It's like he didn't even fucking try. It was so god awful. I can't stress enough how much I hated that one. <laughs> like it literally uh... makes me angry. I want a cigarette right now pisses me off that someone attached their fucking name to that and marketed it. Mm, unbelievable. So what do you think of clinical trials? I liked it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. There were, well, there, was, there were several things that I liked about that segment. And there's several things that I like about all the segments that I can get into. But with that one specifically, I liked the the small things that he did, like the, the blinking of the eyes. I liked... How when he left the doctor's office, how his eyes were adjusting. Most of the things that I liked about that one were technical yeah. things okay. That, okay. that they did. Like, okay. I can respect just, that. Just small details that they did. No, I, I didn't find it. I did. I like jump scares. And I think maybe that's the big difference is that I like movies that, that have jump scares and you don't. I mean, I, I, mean so, I, don't, I don't mind jump scares. It's just... In regards to this film, there was nothing special. It was just like a ghost appears. That's it. I also thought it was interesting how he could see them and then the girl that he meets can hear them. So like, Yeah, but they talked they about can... that for all of 0.5 seconds. They essentially... It was enough for me to find it interesting. <laughs> I also like the part, the this, this sex part, like that somehow keeps them away. That was weird, yeah. They just, I, I think Weingart just threw that in because it was just an excuse to show the girl's tits. You know, it's funny that you brought that up because there were several Joe Swanberg movies where I thought the same thing, where it's like, it seems like they're just kind of doing this so that they have an excuse to have sex with somebody. Yeah, exactly. And I wonder, I, I have a feeling that they probably do do that. They might. Well, I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised. But just um, lazy. Really lazy. Like the epitome of lazy. So it, would it be safe to say that you thought that that was the worst of the four? That was the worst of not only the four, but the worst of all the VHSs. Oh, wow. It was worse than anything that was in VHS 1. Wow. That was just, yeah, that was... Strong hatred. Uh, I mean, this is, it's pumping through my body right now. I'm running off of pure hatred for clinical trials. That's what uh, I've been going on all weekend. I haven't even eaten. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I liked it. Uh, let me just let let's get a little palate <laughs> cleanser for that, and I'll and I'll talk about some of the things that I liked about this movie. Okay. Um, I I like the fact that all the issues that I had in the first one 
they improved upon or fixed in in this one. Okay. First of all, I thought that I liked that there was only four segments rather than five because mm-hmm. it it gave us more time with each of the segments. And although you might find that to be problematic when yes. clin- clinical yes. trials is longer, oh, okay. I thought yeah. I thought that it was better when we get more of Safe Haven. And yes, it did, it did work in Safe Haven's uh, favor. It, I, thought, it, it, I just, thought it was a detriment to all the other ones, though. Because um, there's just I, so I, much buildup and, and filler where you're just fucking bored. Like, I was yeah, see, bored. I, I thought like, that it was... Get on with it. I thought it was better all around to, to have it only be four segments. I thought that the bookends, like the framing device, was better this time around. The The first one, in the first one, it was like... I hated it. I was just like, "What? What is this?" Like, I hated the characters. I hated everything, almost everything about it. I did love the fact that in the bookends, uh, Lawrence Michael Levine's character, like, okay, it, you're in the oh, middle of I it. Think, you're, I think, yeah, you're I think in the middle you're of get into something that I had a problem with. You're in the middle of a B and E. You're stealing stuff off of a kid's computer that you don't even know if he's home or he's dead or what. You just automatically go to his tapes. And, you I mean, you're not even looking for the kid, which is what you're supposed to be doing. And you decide to just let me, okay, I know that we're doing this, but let me quick pop out to CBS and pick you up some Advil or ibuprofen or whatever the hell it is for his girlfriend. Like, what the fuck are you, are you serious? Well, she said, he said that he tried to get her to go, but she's like, I can't get up or whatever. <laughs> Well, well, I, I thought, what do you think ibuprofen's gonna there was, help that? there was something else that happened later on in the movie that was even more illogical than that and i don't want to it's kind of a spoiler so i don't want to talk about it but i do I, 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 don't say, know, I don't know if it's this but i do love the fact that he started yelling for help at one point it's it has to go along with <laughs> it's that, like yeah. you're you're in an abandoned house what do you what do you do some of the other things that i liked were the characters, and we talked about this um, off the air. I liked that. See, the one of the issues I had in the first VHS is that it, it all felt the the characters themselves felt slightly cliched horror wise, and I hated them all. I hated all the characters in VHS one, with the exception of I believe it was the last segment where it was the guys uh, going to the Halloween party. Mm-hmm. I liked them; they were they were normal. Um, but in this one, I felt like I didn't hate any of the characters. I just, the characters were underdeveloped. Like, we didn't really know too much about any of them. Mm-hmm. But as a result, I was more okay with underdeveloped characters rather than characters that I just despise. Yeah. It made it more enjoyable to watch for me. Especially, like, the um, the second segment where they established who this guy was and they, you know had the phone call with his girlfriend or whatever to show that he wasn't like a complete douche. I don't know about that. He wasn't. I don't think he was was just a normal guy. Maybe not a complete douche. He was was just a normal guy going on a bike ride, whatever. Yeah. I, I, that, that one for me, the, a ride in the park, the, what is, what was that? Uh, was that Sanchez? That was Sanchez and Greg Hale. I like the idea. I liked that the found footage was from the perspective of the zombie. Did I liked that idea a lot, but it just it quickly wore out its welcome, and then I was just subjected to just boredom, really. So, so you think that it? Do you think it would have been more effective if they kept it with five segments instead um, of four? I don't know. I don't. I don't know what they could have done. They did this. I, 
for me to list what they need to do to fix this film, we're going to be here all day. Because <laughs> there's just way too much that's wrong with it. Which is, anyway, every time that I say that, please understand that I'm counting everything outside of Safe Haven. Safe Haven to me was, it was a solid entry into this. Everything outside of it just is amateurish. It would look like it, I think like fifth graders could make better horror movies than the everything outside of Safe Haven. But even Safe Haven got a little ridiculous to the point. I, th- I thought Safe Haven was really like, fun. Like the, towards the end, uh, it, it did get a little, it got a little crazy t- towards the end. I mean, like in uh, not in a, not in a good way, but yeah. I mean, I, overall, the, I still thought it was great. Yeah, and I mean, they that one was like perfectly paced. It was well constructed, and not only that, I mean, that actually had some like creepy ass scenes in it. When he first runs back into the compound, oh God. and everyone's standing with guns to their heads, and they all shoot themselves in unison, that was that freaked me out. That was insane. I think that. I, I see the the interesting thing about Safe Haven is that it, it feels like it's a movie. I mean, mm-hmm. it's got like a beginning, a middle, and an end. It it, it follows like an act structure, like a, yes. like a full length film would. And I think that that's what really works. Plus, it's just interesting. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm a sucker for those types of yeah movies. I'm all. I mean, to me, cults are just inherently unsettling. For I think that, reasons they're just. I mean, if that's your your foundation to your your horror film i'm already in and i'm already creeped out i think that this is just another entry that proves that gareth evans is gonna go on to do some really interesting things yes like i'm i'm really excited to see i think the raid 2 is probably going to be great and uh did you see like this week he uh posted something on i think he posted on twitter originally he almost got hit by a car and they were able to snap a picture of it, like what, <laughs> right when it happened. It's so crazy. Like the car looks like it's completely off the ground, and it's like a foot away from where he's standing with the camera. Wow, wow. But yeah, I thought that Safe Haven was. I think that's what everybody's saying. I mean, my Twitter feed right now is just blowing up with everybody oh, yeah. talking about Safe Haven. Yeah, like, that's what that's what I've noticed. I think everyone's in agreement there. Now the final ones, the Alien Abduction Slumber Party. I slightly like the idea, but its execution is terrible. So much to the fact that the shaky cam is so bad. 90% of the time, I didn't even know what the hell was going on. A lot I, just, of people, I, could, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't see anything. It's just blurs and shakiness. Yeah, um, a lot of people seem to be having an issue with that. That's where they strap the GoPro on a dog. Which is, that's, that's an awful idea. It's just terrible. It's a terrible fucking idea. Well, I think that it's... You know, they're trying to come up with new stuff to I, do with this, I, I, I this get found that. footage thing. I get that. But I would think after, like, one day of shooting in that <laughs> with that plot device, everyone looking at the footage would be like, oh, yeah, we can't do this because this is, <laughs> this is not a film. It's just shaky. I wonder if that's why at one point they just pick up the dog and carry the dog around. Mm-hmm. Because there are there are several because that that whole segment's not from the dog's perspective. At one point, they take the camera off the dog, and then I think they put it back on later. Yeah. Why? What? <laughs> ah, let me well, real quick. I know we're running away from aliens, but let me strap this camera back on the dog. No, I think that they do it before the aliens because they they strap the they strap the camera back on the dog in order to to uh, 
have the dog go in while that dude is oh, jerking yeah, that's off. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I like that one. I thought that that one was fine. At, at first, that. I was like, oh, man, where are they going to go with this one? But I, I like thought... the scenes in the water. I thought that the scene in the water was effective. That was creepy. I just... I thought it was god awful. I never, I never wanted something to end so badly. There you have it. Kevin despises VHS, too. That's right. I... Like, I gave this a one star. One letter box. Two out of ten. After discussing it... A little bit more. I'm thinking like half a star. Thinking half. I think I'm thinking, and that's the thing that I'm so confused. I'm so confounded by is everyone, almost everyone is saying that it's better than the first one, and I'm just like I'm at a loss here. Did I watch the same film as everyone, or did I I watch something else? This does have an 85 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I I don't understand that. How is that possible? And now, um, I, I did. I did. Uh, I realized now what you guys were talking about with Bloody Disgusting. I didn't know that, like the guy that owns Bloody Disgusting, came up with the idea for VHS. Oh yeah, I didn't. I, I maybe we did discuss that, and I just forgot. Yeah, they he uh, he like produced it and everything. Yeah, I, I guess I forgot that part. I would hate to have my name attached to this. I think that uh, you're next. I really want to see your next to see to see how that stacks up. But right now, VHS two is, I think, probably one of my favorite horror movies of the year. Oh. Uh, it, it mania the the new Maniac that the one that's produced by uh, Alexander Aja might be better. I'm still kind of thinking about that in my head, but mm. We'll see. I'll, mm. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it again. Now, uh, how much did you go? Because originally you were at, you were sitting at an eight. Okay, so I when I originally reviewed this, I gave it an eight. The next day, I think I bumped it down to a seven. It's whatever it is on the site now. Okay. And, and normally, okay, so I've only done that I think maybe once since we've since we've been reviewing movies or since I've been writing reviews for movies. I think that I only ever changed the score one other time and i can't remember what movie it was mm-hmm. but um yeah i dropped it down to i think it was a seven whatever it is now i think it's a seven um because i was thinking about it and while i was i was i watched this movie by myself and you know i set the atmosphere i made sure all the lights were off and it was dark and i watched it on my nice tv and um it creeped me out. Like there were there were a lot of parts that I thought were really creepy and really visceral and fast and and everything. But and after I saw it, I was like, man, that was that was intense. But then the next day, I was thinking about it and I was like, yeah, you know, there was like a lot of things that just didn't really resonate with me with this movie. So <laughs> I, I probably won't. I'll stick with the seven definitely. And and I'm not editing my actual written review. Although I'd probably like to, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I still liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Yeah, confused. I, I don't, I don't, well, I, I had a feeling that you weren't gonna like it, but then again, I didn't think you were gonna like the first VHS either. I know. I'm. I'm I've been surprised both ways with these films, with the first and the second one. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was just your mindset. Maybe. Maybe. My hatred of lazy filmmaking just got in the way. Uh, 
Maybe I, I just said I gotta get over it. No, that's not gonna happen. This was shit. Shit. <laughs> now you have it. Kevin hates Insidious and VHS two. Nah, I'm trying to think which one was worse. Yeah, that's that's was gonna be my next question. What do you what do you hate more? Insidious. Because I mean VHS two at least has the safe haven in there. Yeah, there you go. So you you at least have that gem. I mean you gotta sift through shit, but there is a gem in there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sift through the shit and find the gem. That's Kevin's synopsis of VHS two. <laughs> Uh, All right, well, I think that's a good place to uh, end end this up up on. Uh, let's go ahead and just move on to some predictions. I wish we would have predicted VHS too. That would have been. I, fun. I would. I would have been completely off. Yeah, I think I didn't anticipate it getting an eighty five. <laughs> That'll probably drop at some point. I would imagine, but I would imagine too. That is really surprising. Uh, the internship. Mm. I said 14, you said zero, <laughs> Ryan said 20, because we had Ryan on last week. The actual score on that was 33, so Ryan Ryan got that one. You gotta be kidding me. Someone's getting kicked back somewhere. Could be. They have to be. It and then we have awful. The Purge. I said 43, you said 36, Ryan said 50, actual 41 on The Purge. Mm. Uh, we will have a review for that up, I just haven't gotten around to seeing it. Yet so. Oh. Uh, also, okay, so that's that's all we predicted. Next week, this is the end. I'm excited for next week. I'm very excited. I'm huge week next week. So this is the end. I'm. I'll start off this week because normally we ha- I have you guess first. Okay. Switch it up, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say like eighty. Mm, that's what I was going with, bastard. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go just slightly higher than eighty-two. Here's hoping that it's good. I heard a lot of good things from uh, press screenings and whatnot. So I, I, I really hope that they just this is what they do now. Like these group of actors just just play themselves and do like every genre. That'd be awesome. Just do like you know like a horror great. movie with all of them playing themselves. I think it'd be great. Yeah, I I'm I'm totally in in for that. Sign me up, please do. Man, it. we have Man of Steel. Man of Steel. Man of Steel. What are you thinking? Big one could be the biggest movie of the summer. Mm. Oh man, of steel. This is this is a difficult one. I'm gonna say uh, seventy-four. I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot high, and I'm hoping that it's gonna be really good. And I'm gonna say eighty-six. Mm. I'm just I really want it to be that good. I I want it to be that good too. Yeah. Also, in limited release, there's. Uh, Sophia Coppola's The Bling Ring, which uh, I want to see. I want to see too. I have a feeling that I'm not going to like it because it's I, Sophia Coppola. You know, it's funny because she's like one of those directors where I want to like her. I know. You want to. <laughs> you just she, she makes it really, really difficult for you to like her films. And I remember when, uh, was it Somewhere? Is that the mm-hmm. name for last one? I remember when that came out and I saw it and I was like, yeah, I like that, but like, there was just nothing to it, and it's just yeah, like, yeah. And then two weeks later, you're like, "Why did I ever say I like that? Why?" Well, two two weeks later, I was like, "Somewhere." <laughs> no, I don't even. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> did I, I see I, that? I think that's what that was all about. Did all I, I really remember, 
All I remember about that movie is Stephen Dorff uh, with a broken arm mm-hmm. sitting on a chair watching these two pathetic strippers in his hotel room. I also remember, was there Guitar Hero? There was, I think there was like Guitar Hero or something. Maybe. <laughs> him, and him and the guy from Jackass playing Guitar Hero. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That's, a, that's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and that is in a nutshell somewhere. There you go. Boom. Uh, DVD and Blu-ray releases. This is for Tuesday, June 11th, I believe. So, mm-hmm. 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 Uh, we have Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. I'd say skip that one. Yes. I don't know. I might check it out. Yeah, maybe. It might be silly fun. Yeah. Silly be. fun. As long as they don't take themselves too seriously. I don't know if they do or not. I heard that they don't. Okay. So, Oz the Great and Powerful. Oh, God. Skip that. <laughs> yeah. don't don't give them any reason to make another one please Inle- sn- unless you're able to buy a dvd of that and then burn it and that effectively destroys every copy ever that's the only reason other than that stay clear yeah i'd stay clear of that one it doesn't appeal to me at all snitch this is the one with the rock i did not like that so i'd probably stay away from that one and wrong quentin dupio I would definitely check this one out. I'll be getting this because I'm on that Draft House Alliance. So they, um, I get all the new Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious to see the special features on this. I think they'll probably be pretty cool. Yeah, I would I would definitely... I would recommend that one. I'd check that one out. It's weird. It's uh, yeah. kind of weird. It's light. Very light. Fun. It's Very just, light fun. It's just wacky, wacky comedy. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's one, one, one criterion. Uh, uh, Igmar Bergman's uh, classic Wild Strawberries is now getting a Blu-ray release. So you know, I definitely I would suggest that one if you like slow so philosophical films. So, I know most of our listeners love slow philosophical films. Well, they fucking should. I would watch that instead of VHS 2. Oh, Waking Life. I know. I, we, oh my god, I have so much hatred right now. Dude, I I don't even think I'm gonna sleep this week. Kevin is so full of hate right now. Just, didn't, didn't like didn't watching Stoker at least alleviate some of that? It did. It did. But it's it's so strong. You have no idea. The hate is so strong, Adam. Mm, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, it's burning. It's like a, it's it's like I have a furnace in my gut. Maybe what you I'm need just, to do is I'm just fueling it with Thoughts of VHS too. Just maybe shoveling need, it in there. Maybe you need to watch something that's like even worse, like scour Netflix and find like Howard the Duck or something. And Indian Superman is what I should watch. Yeah, there you go. Indian but Superman. That, it's, the worst thing is that'll at least make me laugh, though. Yeah. Well, I think that that wraps it up for all the latest film news and reviews. Visit us at filmpulse.net. We want to hear your feedback. Send us an email. Feedback at filmpulse.net is the address. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we will see you on Wednesday for Ryan Watches a Movie. Oh, Brian. Done and done and done and done.
Fuck. Move 